Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I have with me Dane Maxwell. Welcome to the show, Dane. Hey, thank you. And uh, your name is Dane. I am a Dane. Um, <laughs> first time I've met, got to make that joke. So um, Very good. My listeners might not know about you yet, so would you mind spending a little bit of time just giving them an intro to who you are and where all your magic come from? Well, I mean, if you happen to be listening, thank you for giving me your time, and I hope you find it useful. So I was very passionate about building businesses that would exponentially amplify my wealth. And of all the business categories I could look at, I wanted exponential amplification. And I don't think I was used those words at that time, but I'm pretty sure that's what I was thinking. And so I built software as a service companies and products. And I don't know how to code. Uh, I know like, like I, I could, I could, I'm dangerous with HTML. Like I, I wouldn't know how to do anything now. I, I knew more about, I'm 36 back, back when I was getting started, I knew a little more, um, but I hired out uh, these different software projects and uh, started about 16 different ideas or so, uh, about 11 failed, five succeeded. The 11 that failed were all my own ideas. And the five that succeeded were not my ideas. They were me listening, listening to customers and asking them what they want. And that is so commonly used these days, but I still get a jolt every time I hear a, a, a real practical implementation of that. But my process of business creation, I like to build businesses at rapid speed and I do it by uh, finding a market, finding a fundamentally awful issue that they deal with, um, and then putting an expert in place that knows how to solve that, and then owning the business. Um, if you look at like John D. Rockefeller or Steve Jobs, um, like Rockefeller really took off when he hired that technical expert that really has a pretty wicked process to, to transfer crude oil into kerosene. Yeah. Once, yeah, once he had that scientific process, you know, Steve Jobs had Steve Wozniak. So I really, I like to find my Steve Wozniak expert for business and just really let them stay in their zone and then own companies. So long story short, I have a, a low multi-million dollar SaaS business with a CEO that runs a team of which I'm not even sure how many team members we have. That's how little I know about it from well, an ownership perspective. And I own 88.5% of that business currently. And the CEO owns 10. And he's very happy. I'm always checking in to make sure he's happy. I'm incredibly happy. And I've achieved what I consider the holy grail of entrepreneurship after a lot of failure, which is to have a fully self-managed company that I never have to step foot into. Yep. That, uh, that is definitely the dream. And, and likewise, for, for a lot of my listeners, that's what a lot of them is trying to, to get to, at least. So that sounds uh, super exciting. 
like from a mindset perspective, what have been the biggest sort of thing? Like you, you said you focused on SaaS and you tried a lot of different things. Um, did you start out sort of thinking, you know, I'm going to test out 10 different ideas or did you just, like most people I see, they, they start with one idea and they put their heart and soul into it for a few years and, you know, then they occasionally give up and then move on to something else. Like how, what was your mindset sort of before getting into all this? Were, were you clear and were you expecting failures or? What was sort of the my best my best I like the question a lot. I'm really happy to be here, by the way. Thank you again for having me. I don't get a talk I've I, this is a very different kind of podcast. You know, I, yep. you know when you talk when you're talking to people about like business management, you know, we can kind of cut straight to the chase. You know, we don't have to go into any like hype, pump anybody up, motivate. Yep. We're we're past motivation. Let's just talk about how to get shit done. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's great to great to be here. So I, my best business is like the best ones. And I'm not aware. I, I, I'm not like, I wasn't consciously aware of this, but the best businesses that I started were let's see what happens with this idea. Um, the ones that really seem to tank are the ones where I have this absolute certainty for how it's going to go. So I, I intuitively don't really invest resources into an idea unless it has pretty good legs. So um, I don't really put my heart and soul into something. I mean, you know, I, if I have like, let's say, let's make something really simple and basic. Like, let's say I want to create an automated follow-up SaaS for massage therapists. Yeah. And it's going to use Facebook messenger platform and text messaging, something like this. Now I would never do it this way, but just to give people a context of a, an idea. Well, I wouldn't say never, but okay. So then um, sure. immediately before buying a domain, immediately before uh, doing anything else, I would fire up a Facebook ad as quick as I could. And I would start talking to massage therapists and I'd say, hey guys, what are you doing for follow-up? Are you happy with it? Uh, I'd love to talk with you. Like pretty much that, send me a message. And right now, Facebook ads into messenger bots is like a, a, a dream come true for me as a marketer. Um, so I would do that and I would talk to them. And if I found something that like really hit the sweet spot, um, what I'm kind of doing is, so paperlesspipeline.com is the SAS, paperlesspipeline.com. Yeah. And what I'm looking for when I, before I really go all in on an idea is if you imagine I have like a hammer and I just tap on little nails Yep. And, and some nails, when I tap on them, they don't move. Some nails, they just crack in half. And other nails just go, bam, all the way down into the floor. Yep. Like those, the, my, my other analogy that I really like to, to use is imagine if you have a balloon and you just blow one breath of air into that balloon. And then the balloon just floats and goes off into space. Then you have another balloon where you've got to blow like 10 times and then it just deflates a little overnight and you got to come in and blow 10 more times in that balloon. And then it deflates. And then you got another balloon where you're blowing into it. And as you're blowing into it, air is going out the other side and that thing can never get big enough to go anywhere. Yeah. Well, once I have the balloon and I, it's, this is, this is, this takes quite a bit of discipline. I'm not perfect at this, but when I am, it's amazing. Once I find that balloon where I just do what one breath, it goes, it just fills up. That's when I'll start wrapping a business around it. So yeah. The mindset is kind of a let's um, let's see what happens with this. Not uh, I'm absolutely certain, and we're going to do this. And then the final 
visual metaphor that I have just been starting to think about lately is I've, I was at the top of a mountain or not even the top of a mountain. I'm just walking. And then I see that I'm like, there's a valley and I had a jug of water, a big, big jug of water. I'd pour that jug of water. I'd watch where the water flows down the mountain and I'd build all my cities and resources around where that water was flowing. Um, I love and, it. Yeah. And a lot of these business, a lot of us as business owners, we really try to fight nature. Like we'll fight reality, but since with all with true humility we don't get to decide what works we really don't we should really enter enter into markets with humility we should really launch products with a servant's heart that says hey is this something that would be useful for you and if they don't if that nail doesn't drive all the way in or if if, if you hit this thing and it doesn't go whoosh and like ricochet out to the world um you know, so like, uh, for example, so my paperless pipeline business, it's 11 years old now. Um, and it's got like 1400 paying customers or so that make up the 185 to 190,000 per month in revenue. And, and, um, that signs up about, let's say 20 new accounts, like net, net new accounts per, per month. Um, and so it's just a steady, slow growth. Um, amazing. Like it's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a truck of stability. Now, my friend, so that at this point, instead of a nail analogy driving in, if you had a little hammer and you just tapped on paperless pipeline, it would go and it would go out. It's a solid seed. So it's got what it needs. But my other friend, uh, Chris Brisson, is the founder of salesmessage.com. And uh, salesmessage.com will get like 30 new paying customers every single day. Yeah. Um, that's a whole different, if you drop your hammer on the seed of that, that goes out bigger and wider. Yeah. But uh, the seed, getting the seed to be 100% just yes. Um, and then at that point, um, I would do the rest. So I, I really love the analogy and how you, you put it. I think that the one thing that I see most people struggle with is probably realizing when does you, when do you hit the nail, right? Like uh, what, what, what does it look like? Like, does it mean that, you know, you talk to three people and they instantly give you a hundred grand or like, you know, when, when do you know that something is an instant success, right? Because again, from there's so many different perspective on this, um, and, and everyone looks at things differently, right? So, so what, what, what sort of criteria, how do you look at something? Do you have any particular criteria that tells you, you know, when X happens, I know it's a success? <laughs> I mean, not really, not really, man. I mean, my, yeah. my, my best businesses were built literally around one customer. Yeah. Just, just one, just one. Like Paypal's pipeline had one paying customer at the start. I built the product around one person. I built another software product called Client Lunchbox, which doesn't exist. <laughs> and, and it was built for a group of real estate agents. Yeah. Um, like, so like, and I, I had 750 emails signed up waiting to use it. I had all this excitement. I had testimonials about the potential of it, all this stuff. And, you know, my best projects are built around one person. Uh, you know, it's hard, hard to hard to remember, but 
it, it it's you know i mean god it's so it's so it's such a diff it's such a big difference because you know you build paperless pipeline you sign up your first customer well the first customer asks for it before you build it you don't build something unless someone wants it first so we do that we build it for him after he says he what he wants he tells us exactly what he wants we build it for him we enroll him he starts making changes here and there then we add our second customer and then they had they have some features to add then we add our third customer and they have a few more features and by the time we get to our ninth paying customer the product's just growing little by little by little by little to the point um started development in january first user end of february launched to the world in october but our first paying customer was using it in the end of february yeah. you know and that that was just such a stress-free burdensome freeway to go yeah. and the way that i hired that person was by going into the open source communities and software and finding the top contributors the top posters and I messaged the top 10 most active people in the community of that open source software project and sent them my project. And I've, and that guy's now the CEO. Yeah. I mean, the top developers aren't looking for work. Yeah. They're, they're looking for vision and. Yeah, yeah. And they're hanging out, they're hanging out in open source communities. Yeah. Cause they're just coding for fun. But I mean, every industry has that they have, Bill Gates was famous story about when he's like, he walks around this hacker conference and they're building all this open source software. And Bill's like, do you guys realize we can sell this stuff for billions of dollars? And the coders are like, nah, you know, we just want to keep coding. And Bill's like, okay, fine. And then he went and started Microsoft. But I don't think the coders cared because they just love coding. Like who won? I mean, I think they both won because yeah. the coders got to keep Bill. So like, you know, Bill Gates has someone who makes 150 grand a year coding at Microsoft, but they're nowhere near as good as the top coder in open source because one's coding for money and one's coding for love. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so you hire people that just love what they do and you can find them in the communities and meetup groups for whatever it is your topic yeah. is. But that's kind of a, yeah, I'll stop talking there. No, that, that, that makes total sense. And it's actually very similar to how I really love to recruit, right? Like when, when we, like I'm, I'm, I'm a huge believer in network generally and I'm a huge believer in the fact that, you, you know, when you hire people who you already know up front, you, you, you must more like you know what you're getting kind of thing, right? Um, and I think it's very very interesting when you when you find people that are passionate about the project, even <laughs> even before you start talking about money and pay and stuff. That's really often the best people to actually get on board, right? Well, so I've got I've got my book coming out soon, um, and I've got a whole brand behind it, and I'm launching new products, and I'm trying to decide what the vision is going to be. Right. Um, and, and so this brand and book is at startfromzero.com, but I'll get a, I get a private URL that gives some goodies for you guys later. That's, but I'm not bringing it up for that reason. The reason I'm bringing it up is I'm, I'm trying to craft a vision for it, but I've got a dude that is so good that works with me on this. And I'm, so I'm guessing, you know, your sub, your subtitle on this, on your site says, imagine getting the most out of your team by understanding people's behavior, motivations, and strengths. So I'm guessing you're familiar with Colby A. Yep. And are you also familiar with Wealth Dynamics by Roger Hamilton? I am a little bit, not, uh, not crazily, but okay. I've, I've looked at it, yeah. So the basics of Wealth Dynamics are we all have a profile that we're best suited to build wealth with. 
Yeah. So, some people are just natural connectors. Some people are natural behind a camera. Some people are natural creators. Some people are natural lords that look over things. So I'm a creator and a star. I really like to be behind a microphone talking. I really like to be sharing a message. And I also, yeah. but I, what I love to create, I really love to create. And um, I happen to have hired a lord. So I'm a creator and a star and I have a lord on my team. Tonight, I, okay, if, if I pull up my Slack and I look at my messages, here's my message uh, to him. I'd say, I'm curious if you'd like to come up with the scalable vision and mission for the next two years on how we could do all this. I'd love to see how your implementer brain could think of all this. Yeah. Certainly, he says. There's a, there's a thought on management. I, I, I really don't like doing things to try to get something as like my intention. I really like to do things with my intention of higher enjoyment, higher service and, and higher profit, but they're all together. And when I do that, like I, I'm not like, so there's the thing, well, if they come up with the plan, they'll be more invested, they'll have more buy-in and then they'll do more of it. I'm not doing it to, well, maybe there's a little bit of me that's doing it to be a little sneaky, but you know, I figured if he comes up with a vision, he might do a better job than me and he might be more excited about it. He'll work harder on it. He'll be more motivated, basically asking him to come up with the idea instead of me giving it to him, which is something you guys probably teach. Yeah. And, and that's it. I mean, so, so I come at it from probably a slightly different angle that I look at it. It's not just, I mean, it's important to understand that if people follow their own vision, they're going to do better. Right. But I think it's just as much, like I'm, I'm not particularly great at painting all these pictures in people's minds, right? I'm, I'm not the best storyteller in the world and stuff. But, but I think when, when you actually let people paint their own story, when you let people paint their own vision, and and merge that with the company, you know, the company grows to become more than you as an individual. And that's really what I find the most interesting. Like I, just like you say, I mean, I'm not just doing it for, cause I know like when they make the vision, we get better results kind of thing because they're bought in, but I'm really doing it because if I'm everything that drives this thing, it's only ever going to go so far. Whereas if I get other people's visions matched into the company, if I get like different people pulling in different direction is not necessarily a, a bad thing, right? But but basically different people sort of, they all look at things slightly different and therefore they will, they'll contribute different things. And that, from my experience, actually, when, when you see businesses once in a while, like pivot or move in a different direction and so on, it often comes from some kind of input, right? And that's the kind of input that I feel is that you can get when you let other people influence a business like that. Oh, I really like that. I got a lot from what you shared, mostly just that it could be so much more than you. Yeah. Because, you know, I, uh, so I left entrepreneurship four years ago to pursue music and I released my third album. And when I released my third album, I listened to it and I was like, damn, this sounds, I was so proud of it. I was like, this sounds really good to me. Wow. I really, I really did it. And it's my third album. And this was hard. And like when I heard that, when I heard the stuff, you know, I was like, this is really, really good. It, it like, it closed the door in my mind. It was like, all right, dude, you did it. I was like, holy crap. Whoa, wait, hold on. I don't have the motivation for another album. 
well, business is like beckoning me back weird. And, but in the process of going into music and, and singing, which was really a hard transition for me because I left when I was at the top of my game in business, or, I mean, I, I felt like I was probably never quite at the top, but I was, I was, I was in a level of pretty good potency um, with the attention I was having and the, pro the profits and stuff. And, and well, it's still good because I got the self-managed company. But long story short, doing art has kind of opened me into this channel of, let's call it like divine intelligence. Like the kind, the same kind of intelligence that allows nature to thrive. Like there's, there's an intelligence to nature that's like wicked cool. Like every animal has something to eat. Every insect's got a place. I mean, like there's some crazy intel. And I'm not talking from a religious perspective. It's just like, whoa, there is some harmony going on in nature. Anyway, that same harmony is here right now in business. And when I was writing this, I had a, I had a publisher ask me if I wanted to write a book. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm ready to do that. So when I was thinking about a title for the book, I sort of opened up my mind to hear what it should be called from almost a different dimension, a different plane of thought that wasn't my own. Yeah. And I heard start from zero. And it wasn't like instantaneous or anything, but when I heard start from zero, I was like, okay, this wants to exist. This idea wants to exist. I will be, I will be the steward of this. And I will build this and bring this idea to life. So, I mean, if someone happened to like steal it or take it and launch it, I'm like, well, okay, it's fine. It's getting built. Like I'd have, I'd have to process a little bit of a loss, but it wouldn't be this like, it's my idea. Like I've got to, it's more like, this is this thing that I'm serving and stewarding with right now. Yep. So I have identification with it as like, this is my thing to steward. And when you make the thing, when you mentioned the thing about, you know, having a team that potentially help craft the vision, I can feel my ego come in and be like, no, no, I've got, no, 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 no. This is mine. And, and so while someone took it, you know, it's a different story because they could do the thing and I wouldn't have it anymore. But when it's in my hands, I definitely feel my ego's protection on it. So that could have been a form of self-sabotage that prevented the business from getting bigger or different than what I had envisioned. So I'm just basically a little bit of a long story that hope, but hopefully um, helps people in some way. And also just saying, thank you for, uh, open me up to the possibility of someone else plugging some different vision into it. Awesome. Yeah. What, I mean, you, you've done a lot of successful, great stuff. What, what's one of the biggest challenges that you've ever faced? I struggle with personal intimacy, like with whether it's just like, whether it's just like being with a guy, friend, and just laughing together, um, whether it's being in a loving relationship, you know, I mean, whether it's like, you know, like holding my daughter, who's like three months old, I can tell that I have fear when I'm holding her. And, you know, this is stuff I don't usually like to talk about because, you know, who's going to write me and try to fix me or give some sort of counsel or God forbid, sure. try and pray for me or some crap like that. But like, um, you know, this, this is where I currently am. And I see this in process and changing. But because I've had fear of intimacy, personal intimacy, uh, not sexual, but of course that would be included. Um, when teams get close, I'll disappear. Yeah. And I'll hope the business can handle it, handle itself without me. 
and I can actually feel my body getting really hot. So I know we're onto something, <laughs> something right now. Yep. That, that's the biggest challenge, actually. I mean, with, I without without that, it's like, you know, just you, you do the knowledge worker questions every day. How many hours did you work? What did you accomplish? What problems did you encounter? What questions did you have for me? You have a team of 10. You can read those responses every day. I mean, there's efficient tactical things to manage team. But if when intimacy builds in a team and I disappear, and it's very subtle, um, yeah. that has a pretty negative impact on things. Yeah. That, that is, I mean, we, we all struggle with different challenges, right? And I think <laughs> right. one, of the, one of the key reasons why I really love talking about this is because you're not alone, right? Like mm. there, there's plenty of people that have struggles like that. And I think it's, it's oh, thank you. like as an entrepreneur, it, it's so easy to look around at everyone else and think like, you know, everyone else got it sorted out, but I just have all these troubles whether it's mental or physical or whatever right but like i have all these challenges but everyone else got their shit sorted out right and one of the things i can tell you as a coach is no one have their shit sorted out right but i think it's really important to share because that's that's how other people can learn that entrepreneurship is i mean it's basically navigating <laughs> navigating in turbulent times at best right well you know as you said that i feel like i just have more permission to even sharing my experience and now so here's how i'd articulate this if if someone's looking at me and there's a bit of a relationship i would grow unconsciously angry and i would wonder how are they looking at me are they getting ready to attack me and i had a i had some not nice things happen to me growing up like physical abuse physical torture physically tortured and and i didn't have a context around why these things were happening I didn't realize the people that were doing it were really suffering. So they were causing me to suffer. I didn't have any of that. So I lived for 21 years with a pretty dwarfed self-image to what I what was actually true. So this, that I, the, what I'm articulating to you was so unconscious and so subtle and so embarrassing that I'm leading and owning and running a business and a team. And I have people looking up to me. And I'm afraid when they look at me, you know, as an owner who's supposed to hold an authority position, how in the world do I even broach a topic like this? Will they lose respect for me if they know that I'm scared when they look at me? And my experience as I've opened up and said this, like I, I've even had unconscious fears that like they would try to take the company from me when they know how scared I am. And my experience has been the exact opposite. Like when I share this, I'm like, you know, I just feel like a disgusting, I don't know, I don't know what I would say, but I just think that you guys hate me or something like, or I'm like, I'm, I'm shocked that you want to work with me. Th thank you for not abandoning me. I, I don't, I wouldn't say something like that, but I, I have opened up to one person and they just want to work for me even more. I try to be Oh, that's those. okay. Okay. You know, that's this like, so like, that's the struggle. And I think by just even articulating it, because, so you know what I have not seen yet, what I wish someone would do is the stages of uh, problem awareness. Someone's probably got to have this somewhere, but there's where the problem is so unconscious that you can't even imagine you have it, but it's, you have it for sure. Then yeah. 
then it's like so unconscious that you can actually feel the emotional difficulty of it where you're like, this sucks. Then you get to the level where you're like actually able to identify and talk about the dynamics going on with clear language. Yeah. Then there's complete disidentification, not dissociation, disidentification with it as being something to do with you. And these are just now energetics that you've been able to articulate. I'm coming out of those first two phases into phase three, where I'm actually able to identify and articulate this. And, you know, if you're scared of your team, you're scared of letting them down, or you're scared of them seeing that you don't have your shit together, or, you know, you're scared of the company, you don't probably don't want to say anything about the company going under, but you know, I, I would, I would encourage to try one small thing with the, with the team member, the person on your team that you trust the most, you know, experiment with sharing something vulnerable with them. And it, it, you'll know it's vulnerable if you feel like you can't control the outcome after you, after you say it. I'd say vulnerability is f such fire, especially, I mean, if I think about it, if I was working for a Fortune 500 CEO that I admired and he came to me and he was like, man, you know, my heart just still feels kind of broken from my childhood or something like this. I'd be like, whoa, I'm going to work five times as hard for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that is the thing, right? Like, I, th I think that's the fundamental. And I, I think that's when, when you do share things, I mean, when you when you open up and talk about them again, don't pretend to be this person who have no problems where everything is great if it's not right. Yeah. So when when you do have challenges, like your ability to actually talk about them, and what happens is they make you human, right? And people are much more likely to work for uh, much more likely to want to work for someone who's actually human, who's like themselves, than someone who just seems, you know, over the moon impossibly perfect all the time uh, because everyone knows you're not but if they're not like in, in our business or in my business the number one thing is honesty right like if people is not like when i interview people if they're not willing to share an actual weakness if they're trying to pretend like you know they're perfect human beings and all this stuff you know that's one of the biggest reasons for me not to hire them right mm -hmm. um, but people who actually are comfortable sitting in a space talking with a stranger they've never met before at an interview for the first time and who is willing to share a bit of themselves, share a bit of their weakness, right? For me, that means everything because it means that they're, they're not afraid to share, right? It means they're, they're, they also know themselves to a certain extent because just like you did, like actually being able to share that weakness means you've actually, you've actually realized that that is a problem and that's something... <laughs> You're working through, no, but and that might sound silly, but but reality is a lot of people walk around with problems like those and don't yet know they exist. And I think mm -hmm. even when you do find those things, you become a much stronger human being, even though you still have a challenge. Mm -hmm. When you can actually call it out, when you can say, you know, I have this problem, and you know, it's not like you're proud of it or whatever, but but you're willing to admit to yourself and others that this is something you're facing as a challenge and you're working on it and it probably won't be perfect anytime soon. I think that is, that is people I love working with. Right. Yeah, the, the laughter was of confirmation <laughs> like the, like, Oh yeah. So I apologize if the laughter uh, threw you off. There. No, that's all good. You, you know, as you're, so you're talking, I realized it's like, okay, if I'm gonna, if I'm in a boardroom with my team, and I'm gonna say, guys, I have 
issues with personal intimacy. The thing that I think is going to happen is that every single person on the team is all going to look around at each other and be like, holy crap. And they're going to look at me and be like, all right, peace out. We're gone. <laughs> and they just leave. That's a, and it's so irrational. That makes like, hey, this guy's got issues with personal intimacy. I'm not going to stare for this crap. I'm out of here. And no, it's uh, it, maybe, maybe with the right, you know, maybe that's not the right person on your team. But that was what I thought would happen if I said that. Yep. Nope. No, it didn't. Um, with there's one thing that I've been experimenting with actually, um, and so uh, listening listening to my customers and where um, where it's really difficult for me to listen to them, where like I'll even get angry at some of the things they're saying. Yeah. Like I'm like, no, no, you can't have that. You no, 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 you can't have that. And my customers like it's vulnerable enough, and I think for a customer to ask for the product to be a little different, maybe not all the time, but you know, they're like, so for example, I have a process where we teach people how to build a lucrative company at speed with speed. And what you do is you go to a market, you send out emails to people, you set up phone calls and you ask them about their day-to-day tasks, the ones that cause them the most pain. You'll say, what are the most important activities in your business and which ones um, cause you the most pain? And people are like, well, the most important activities are, you know, getting customers and serving customers and whatever it is. And they ask about it. And this process I've watched go on for six years as it just churns people up and spits them out. Um, and um, there's always been a better way sitting there right in front of me. And they would, they would sometimes ask for a better way, but most people would just suck it up and try and do it because they would respect my opinion and do what I'm saying because they know I've got a person who got results, so they listen. Um, then, uh, but what was going on was I was afraid, and I, I was afraid that I didn't have a better way for them. So we had to stick with instead of being in you know we're we're in two foot of mud still, but you're still able to walk a little bit. But I was I was afraid that we couldn't find something better. And um, this different part of I, there's this different intelligence I have within me that I can activate it's like this, I feel it within my body. And if I let it expand, it's, it's like this, I don't know, it's this wicked business intelligence that does things that I'm like, that is incredible. What, 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 where does that come from? And it's like, some people have a gift of shredding the violin. And yeah. for some reason, I've got this innate business gift that I can tune into and it just kind of knows what to do. That thing may fail, but it certainly gets me going in the right direction. Anyway, I used this and I ended up, working with a guy um, and having him systematize cold calling, setting up appointments, and then on those appointments, doing an idea discovery about a product or service that we could sell. And it includes both how to look up the people to call, how to call the script to call, to get them on the appointment, how to conduct the call once the appointment's done, how to document the responses so that you could essentially hire someone to um, do research. And after three weeks, they would come back to you with a report of the products that you could build and sell for the industry that would be profitable. It's kind of like one of those things that as it happens, you're like, I can't believe I'm thinking of this right now. And then it just keeps getting better and better and better. So now I've got a systematized standard operating procedure that if a new entrepreneur comes and wants to join one of my programs, I can give them 
this, show them how to hire a cold caller to conduct all their product research for them. And that's kind of a whole different level of like outsourcing and systemization that I never conceived of. But if you were to articulate it very simply, it's like, what is the biggest giant pain in the ass in your business? And how can you systematize someone to do it for you? That's really all it is, except there are parts of my brain that have decided what's outsourceable and what isn't. Yep. <laughs> and I don't know that until like I end up outsourcing that. And like, I, I've, I've joked about, man, I could outsource having someone come to my house every two weeks and just filling my car, taking my car to the gas station and filling it up with gas. What, what, what could I outsource? I mean, you you probably have many examples, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I work in the world of outsourcing, but uh, but yeah, I I, I mean, there's the, the so little. I mean, I, I when I look at myself, I generally look at this. There's two simple things that I don't outsource, and one is you know hire the people that works directly for me in any kind of business or whatever, because you know that's that's one thing where I want to be absolutely in charge no matter what. And two is the actual conversations, like the relationship building with those individuals that work straight for me. That That is really the only two things in my life, in principle, that, you know, I, I can't let go of. So, again, as a, like... As a, thought ex, as a thought experiment, yeah, not to actually do it, how would you outsource it if you had to? Just as a thought experiment. Which... Both of them. Um... I would, yeah. So, so what what I would do again is with with interviewing and recruitment. That that's probably the easiest one, which is basically um, I would I would specifically focus on you know showing people my way of doing it and you know getting them good idea of how I do it. And like I already have a recruitment manager who manages recruitment uh, and who do the sort of initial screenings and all that. Uh, so so she's the probably the one that would be the closest to it, right? Um, so that's that's how I would do it if I had to. But it's definitely the one of those very few things that I, I want to own no matter what, just because the, the, the cost of error is so expensive that it makes no sense to outsource it, if that couldn't, makes sense. Couldn't you argue the cost of error is so expensive that it, means that you should systematize and make sure you're making a very rational decision? Uh, it's already super systematized. Okay. Um, you, just, you, just, you just run the system yourself. But, but Well, no, I, I make the final decision. So like generally the system, we have a system that basically takes care of most of it, right? Like all the nice. finding the candidates, going through the candidates, all this sort of stuff. But the actual, like the final interview and making that final decision of who to hire that that will stay with me, right? Because it's someone that have to work with me and the cost of picking the wrong person, like for example, with yourself, uh, picking like a co-founder for some project, like personally, I want to make that decision myself because not saying other people couldn't make a good decision, but just saying the value of that decision is probably the highest value decisions I will make in my life, if you will. And therefore, it is worth it that I make that personally. Yeah. What's your thoughts on like, so my business paperless pipeline, I've hired the CEO and I'm like, listen, 
you get me a minimum 25% profit margin, I don't care what you do. Yep. How would you feel? How would you feel doing something like that? Sure. That's, he's, hi- uh, he's hiring people though. Yeah. For me. No, no. What I said was hiring people working directly for you. So oh, sure. the person clear. working directly for you would That's be clear. the CEO. So you would want to hire that CEO yourself. Like you, you wouldn't want someone else in your business to decide who should be the CEO. What if this CEO I have needs to leave? And so I task him with hiring the other CEO and I don't even really do anything. Would you do that? I would not do that. No, I would personally, I would like to make that decision. It's one of very few decisions that I want to make. Uh, But I believe that a decision like that, and I'll definitely be very comfortable again to have that person have a huge influence in the process. But that final decision of saying, this is the guy to replace you. I would definitely want to make that every day of the week. Yeah, I'm just engaging this as a thought experiment. It's like, what, what, yep. what, 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 maybe we're both wrong. <laughs> maybe, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying wrong. I'm, the, the, the way I look at outsourcing is I'm always looking at what is cost, right? Like, so okay. for example, if I like, why should I do my own accounting? Because if I sit down and spend two hours doing that, you know, I could invest my time doing other things, make more value. So therefore it makes sense to outsource it or outsource it or have a staff member do it or whatever. Same thing, right? Um, but, but the whole thing is that the, the two key things that I want to do, just like you said yourself, like the relationship you have with the CEO is in large part what enables him to do what he's doing. Yes, now, sir. generally, you want to keep that relationship. Like you don't want to hire someone and say, you know, you manage the relationship for me, right? So that's basically how I look at it. That's good. And I'm curious, I'd like to tell, like, if, if you have any interest in um, that standard operating procedure that would allow you to cold prospect a market um, and see what the products are um, at the, we're at the, towards the end of the interview, but let me know. I'm, I'd be curious to, to license or, or sell it or provide it to business owners. I've, I've never really thought about selling it individually, but I, I'm just testing demand right now. If anybody would be interested in something like that, just let me know. Sure. I mean, it's definitely something we could test with the community. No doubt. Cool. No doubt. Awesome. That, uh, yeah, that's been awesome talking with you, Dane. Just yeah. before we finish any sort of last sort of hints, tips, resources, or the likes around management that you think would, why did you, pick awesome? man- why did you pick management as, as your thing to do? Right. So, uh, long story short, I, I initially I was a tech geek when I was a kid, and I ended up in my first job, which was kind of tech support type role. And literally within a couple of months, what happened was I got a manager that just blew me away. Like all my childhood, I've been heard, I've been told that you know schools school is amazing. You know when you grow up and have to work, life is going to be horrible. And I got this manager and and I could see everyone in the team. Like we were a team of like 20 people and everyone loved being there. Like people loved their job. They loved doing what they were doing. And, you know, I was like, I I liked IT because I had the idea of, I love helping people. Right. And I, I, I can do that. You know, every time people have a small IT problem, I can go help them and they'll be happy. Right. But I realized that, you know, I could only ever help so many. Whereas I saw this woman who was managing a large population of people and you know she was making people happy to do what she did and literally it 
I literally, within a month time or so, I literally went from in my head wanting to be an IT nerdy dude to wanting to become a manager. And that, it literally took about a month or so. Um, so that is that was sort of my initial inspiration, if you will. Yeah, you saw you saw the impact of a positive manager. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. And I so, was like, I want to do that. Uh, from from being interested in tech to being interested in people is quite a jump. So he must have been really good. No, I had to learn. Like like yeah. I I tell people all the time, management is is not something you're born with. Like. Everyone, like even even the people you technically look at and say, you know, they're naturally good at management. Like everyone has strengths and weaknesses, right? And even people who seem super confident and you know, you know, can walk around and talk to people and stuff like that. Like everyone have their strengths and weaknesses, and if that's their strength, you know, they have other weaknesses that you know hold them back just as much. So, and anything you do with management, it's all about learning. Right, like the essence is, if you want to be a good manager, you have to invest some time in learning. Right, just like if you want to be good at building businesses, like you have to invest some time in learning. Yeah, amen. I'd say so. In terms of your question, like final things to leave with is where I'm placing my attention in this moment is looking at a business as a collection of systems, yep. and I don't really usually like. When I usually think of a business, I usually think about what are the products, uh, who are the customers, what's the pain points, what's the price, what's the offer. Um, I I haven't really just looked at a business as okay a collection of systems. So the the the, the bridge that I'm crossing to now, and starting to stand on the island of, when I think of a business, I want to think of it as a collection of systems, and each system. Uh, certain employees are responsible for. And if I can, every system has a profitability measure that can be looked at every 30, 60, or 90 days. So um, if, if we have a, po- I have a podcast and our podcast is really incredible and we're getting such good reviews on it and um, we're getting people that's calling it, ben- so many people now have called it binge-worthy content. And the podcast approach is very unique. We, we, take, um, we take starting entrepreneurs and I mentor them and show them exactly what to do based on their situation to get, prof- get to profitability really quickly. Yep. And because that's, that's my wheelhouse is how do you start from zero? Of course, that's why the book's called Start From Zero, et cetera. Um, and you can look at the podcast. But, um, I was very overwhelmed with what to do once the podcast was complete, a, a recording was complete. And I sat down and I tuned into this kind of intelligence that I had with him. It was like, what do you want to do? And it was said, create a business system for the podcast. So what I did is I created like a 15 step system. So once a podcast is finished, um, it gets uh, pushed into um, a, a flow. Uh, the, 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 so every podcast has somebody that I'm mentoring. So let's say the the person's an 80 year old. I had an 80 year old. I literally had an 80 year old on the podcast looking to make money online. And so I got to teach an 80 year old. So um, we target the demographic of 65 and plus. We take the best minute from that podcast and strip it out. Um, we run an advertisement to anybody that might be over 65 on YouTube and anybody that might be 65 on Facebook. And we run a minute podcast say, hey, if you like this podcast, come listen to more. And then we have that promotion run and go directly to our podcast page. 
And then so now we can hire someone, say, from the Philippines or wherever to run this step-by-step -step system. And then we can look at the money in, the money for the Philippines person, um, how many leads were generated, how many sales were generated as a result. And now every podcast kind of comes into this system with who would be the ideal avatar to listen to this, get the one-minute snippet, get promotion to it, invite them to listen to more, and then also retarget them to come back and buy the book, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the podcast became this kind of really uncertain thing to now every episode becoming a very significant asset for us. Once I thought of the podcast promotion after it's done as a system. And once I really started thinking about uh, the collection, a bit of business being a collection of systems. And I tell you, you know, I've got so much overwhelm in business uh, about where do I put my attention? It's all pulled in so many different directions. Um, and so when I sit down on my business and I'm like, okay, oh God, what have I got to do today to, okay, it's a collection of systems. Let's see how they're operating. That's how, that's how I'd probably end that. And then I would well, I say, thank you. Thank you. Um, and then I would say um, for your, for your audience, I, I wanted to give away a book excerpt for free oh. to your guys. Um, so if you guys go to startfromzero.com forward slash manage, It'll be a special URL just for the Mad Singers Management Consulting Podcast. And um, if you had a good time hanging out with us, I'd love to hear from you. And you can get contact info and reach out to me. Uh, everything's there. You'll find the podcast. You'll find the book excerpt. You'll find whatever you'd like to learn about the world that I inhabit at startfromzero.com forward slash manage. So thanks for, thanks for having me, man. This is uh, quite a pleasure to talk on this context. Excellent. Well, it's definitely great having you here, Dale. And, uh, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.